This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to True Crime Paranormal. I'm Christy Brower here with my co-host, Katie Weaver. Hey, Katie. Hello. We're excited to be here with you to bring you another awesome episode of True Crime Paranormal. But as is our norm, we like to start with a little check-in. So, Katie, how are you? Well, <laughs> I'm about half drugged. So, Oh, my goodness. I'm here. Yeah, This should I be have- a good show then. Keep an eye on Katie. You never know. <laughs> We have a family history of doing really funny stuff if we've had, like, sedating medication, so. Yeah, I had a little uh, medical emergency yesterday that landed me in the emergency room. and Not cool. In an enormous amount of abdominal pain. Like, I've never seriously had pain like that in my life. And they gave me a shot of morphine, which I've also never had in my life and hopefully will never have again. However, (laughs) it did... It ended the pain in a hot second, mm-hmm. and they did a CAT scan, and what they discovered is that I have a little hernia that's opened right above my navel, and I had a, I can't remember what they called it, a string or a a loop, a loop of small intestine that had uh, made its way through the hernia and was basically being forced, you know, cut off. Wow. That yeah, sounds so- extremely unpleasant. That sounds great, doesn't it? Mm, and yeah. that's why I was in so much pain. So they gave me another shot of morphine, tipped my bed way down so that my head was be- like way, you know, below my feet. The doctor said that helps relax your abdominal muscles. And mm-hmm. he just went boom and pushed it back in. <laughs> and that well, hurt too. Who knew? Uh, the nurse was like, whoa, I did not know you could do that. And the doctor's like, yeah, we just got to get it. Back in place. My husband said the doctor's uh, fingertips went like to his knuckle inside that hole. Can you believe that? Yikes. So he says to my husband, do you see how I did that there? That's what you have to do if this happens again. (laughs) I'm like, but I don't have any morphine at home. But, (laughs) you know, but this went on for hours, you know. I mean, if he had fixed it when it first started, you know, or I had or someone had, Mm -hmm. you know, it wouldn't have. You know, I don't think it would have created the major amount of uh, distress that I was in. But anyway, so, yeah, I'm going to have to get that fixed. So that kind of sucks. <laughs> but, well, wow. yeah, I was pretty loopy and silly last night. As soon as it was pushed back in, the pain was completely gone. Wow. And they're like, so you can go home. And I'm like, I can't stand. But, yes, I would like to go home. <laughs> <laughs> so I went home. Uh, yeah. And I really am. I'm fine. I just, I still feel like I've had morphine. I'm amazed at how long I finally Googled it. And it looks like it takes three days for it to completely clear your system. Wow. So, you know, I'm not driving. I'm not, well, good, good. Yeah. And and I don't feel awful. Honestly, I just feel kind of, kind of high. So, (laughs) you know, 
well, this should be an interesting read then because you're like wide open. Right. And I've brought you a very big, well-known case. Yeah. I'm really excited to hit it. Really very little known actually about what happened to this person. Yeah. Well, well, so that's how I am. (laughs) Good. Well, I'm, I guess I'm better off than you because I've only been to the dentist, not to the uh, emergency room. So that's good. But I I hate going Mm. to the dentist. I don't know. I'm sure you guys all know. When I go to the dentist, they find like 10 things wrong. So (laughs) yeah, I'm going through a whole series of really fun dental stuff. Um, I've decided that when you, when you get to be middle-aged, your teeth just go to shit. Sort of how it's going for me. So. Mm Anyway, I have lots of stuff to do with that. But other than that, I'm doing great. Well, good. Yeah, good doing really well. And excited to share this story with you. Now, most of you, if you're a hardcore crime junkie, you will know this case. But there are some interesting updates that I'm going to give at the end after Katie gives us our read. Um, but today I want to share with you the Alyssa Turney case. Now, I know lots of people know about the Alyssa Turney case, but I'm going to give the basics to start. So Alyssa was 17 years old. She was a junior in high school. She lived in Phoenix, Arizona with her stepsister, Sarah, and her stepfather, Michael. So Alyssa's mother passed away um, when she was young, and Michael, um, I believe, adopted her, although there's some questions about that. But it it sounds like he did adopt her. And so then she lived with him and her step-siblings. So at this time when she was 17, it was just her and her younger sister, Sarah, living at home. And Sarah and Alyssa, they had very different relationships with their father. Um, Alyssa had a very tense relationship with her father, and he was very controlling with her. And this is reported by the family that there were a lot of, um, there was a lot of controlling behavior and just, she just didn't have any freedom to do the things that she wanted to do. And there was a lot of tension between them all the time. Um, On May 17th, 2001, this was the last day of school before the summer break. Um, And this is the last day that anybody ever saw Alyssa. So what happened is that, Sarah was supposed to be picked up from school by Michael. He never came. So she walked home. Um, oh, she she went to a friend's house, actually, to wait for him. And about somewhere between 4 and 5 o'clock, he shows up and tells Sarah that Alyssa is missing. So Sarah tries to call Alyssa, and there's no answer. They go back to the house. Sarah goes to Alyssa's room. And finds uh, her cell phone and, like, the contents of her backpack. Her backpack itself was missing, but, like, all of her stuff that she would normally have with her was there on the bed. There was also a note left on her dresser, and the note said, Dad and Sarah, when you dropped me off at school today, I decided I uh, really am going to California. Sarah, you said you really wanted me gone. Now you have it. Dad... I took $300 from you. That's why I saved my money. So at first, this wasn't a big surprise. There'd been a lot of tension in the house. There were lots of 
question, you know, there was a lot of fighting and a lot of issues going on, particularly between Michael and Alyssa, but Sarah and Alyssa weren't getting along great either. And Alyssa did have an aunt in California and she had said before that she might want to go and live with the aunt. Mm -hmm. So initially they thought maybe that is really what had happened. So, Michael did call the police. Now, Michael is a former police officer. I think this is an important element of this yeah. case. Um, so Michael calls the police and he reports her as Alyssa as a runaway. Um, so they do open a missing persons file on her. Now, remember, she's 17. She's a minor. Mm-hmm. Um, but he said she was a runaway and that he knew for a fact that she had gone to California. So although they opened a missing persons file, there was no follow-up. There was no investigation. Nothing was ever done about this, which that that is mind boggling to me that a 17 year old child goes missing and the word of an adult is taken, you know, and this is the world we live in. Right. With no Um, follow-up. Yeah. That there was no follow-up. So supposedly a week after Alyssa disappeared, Michael tells the police that Alyssa called him early in the morning uh, and that she told him she, that he was the reason that she'd left. And she told him she was in California and she told him she was never coming back. Now, Michael provides his phone records and he did in fact receive a phone call that morning from a California number. This is where it gets really crazy though, because what we find out is that Michael is an incredibly paranoid human and he has cameras all over their house. So there's supposedly surveillance 24 seven in their house. In the house. In the house. Yeah. Not around it, in it, which is creepy as hell. Mm -hmm. So then also he has some, a machine set up to record all phone conversations that come into the house. And this is 2001, of course. They did have cell phones, but they also, you know, this was before everyone threw their landline away. Yeah. Now, let me so- tell you a, a convenient thing that comes up at some point, And that is that on the day that Alyssa disappeared, all of the recording equipment was broken. No cameras. Mm-hmm. And on the day that she called, wouldn't you know it, but the recall recorder was broken. So he has literally years of surveillance on his house and years of phone calls, but he doesn't have the day she went missing and he doesn't have the, um, the day she called the day she called. Yeah. Now in the years after her disappearance, there are lots of stories that he tells. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you some of them. One is that he picked her up from school at lunchtime on the day that she went missing and took her out to lunch. And after lunch, they went back to the house and had a big fight. And he left to go run errands and pick up Sarah, which remember, he didn't actually do. Right. And that when he came back to the house about five o'clock, she was gone and had left the note. Mm-hmm. There was never any activity on her social security number. Never got a job, never did anything like that. She had uh, $1,800 saved in the bank. That money was never spent. There was never any evidence of her existing after that day. Um, At one point, Michael starts telling people in their family and that they know that he thinks something terrible has happened to her. And then he thought that someone was maybe following her and that he had to go search for her himself. 
He supposedly made trips to California to search and pass out missing flyers. But, you know, all you have here is his word, mm-hmm. which, you know, we're learning is worth nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Uh, let's see. In 2006, a man named Thomas Heimer, who was in a prison in Florida, he sent the police a letter and confessed to her murder. He apparently did that um, a bunch of times to a bunch of different murders around the U.S. Mm-hmm. And it, they were a hoax. It was not true. He was never charged or anything. Um, let's see. So, you know, the police gave it seven years mm-hmm. after she'd gone missing before they thought, well, maybe we ought to look into this. Because she hadn't contacted any of her friends or anyone in her family. The aunt she was supposedly going to live with hadn't seen her. The money in her bank account was still there. Her social security number was never used. And so at this point, the police decide that maybe, in fact, she is missing and not a runaway. This is seven years later. Okay. This is sickening. Whoever these police officers are, you know, and this is still quite a long time ago. I I should have been fired. I mean, it's Uh, absolutely ridiculous that they let it go like this. Well, but again, like even like in discussing the, the Chad Daybell case and his privilege. Yeah. Thinking about the privilege of Michael here. Yep. Former police officer. White guy. White yep. guy. Going to trust his word. Yeah. Yep. 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 Oh, boy. Okay. All right. Yeah. Go on. So <laughs> that's when they start doing some investigating and they get the story that um, he had picked her up. Michael had picked her up from school at lunchtime. That was confirmed by her boyfriend, John, uh, who did say that Alyssa said she was leaving early, but mm-hmm. she also said she would see him later that evening at a party. So it was the end of the school year. That was a party. She told her friends she was going to be there at the party. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he says he picks her up for lunch. They get home and have a fight which ends up with him, her storming off to her room and him leaving to run errands. Those errands, we don't know what, because he didn't show up to pick up his daughter from school like he was supposed to. So what was he doing? So the police kind of start figuring Michael out. He's very litigious. He likes to sue people and he's super paranoid. So he has, of course, documented every incoming and outgoing call to his house, has cameras inside his house, There was one hidden in the vent of the living room, so people didn't even know they were being recorded in that room. Good Uh, Lord. What? I said, good Lord. I know. Isn't that creepy? Can Mm -hmm. you imagine? I cannot imagine. Those poor girls. And still at this point, this is seven years later. I mean, what are they going to do now, you know? But, you know, of course, when they ask for the audio tapes of the day that... Alyssa went missing. Of course, unfortunately, the audio recorder wasn't working. What a con- what a dink, right? Yeah. Um, so now they decide they've had probable cause to search the house. <laughs> and this is where it gets bonkers. Okay. They search the house, they find 26 pipe bombs and holy a shit. 90 what? I said, holy shit. Right? Holy <laughs> shit. And yeah. a 90-page manifesto. Okay. He's got a manifesto. Oh, Please. boy. Written by Michael. You know when the manifesto comes out. 
the crazy pants have come on. Yeah. 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 Some some shit has already gone down. Mm-hmm. So in the manifesto, he claims that Alyssa had run away, but he believed that she was followed by two men. So he used to work for an electrical union. Kind of sounds like maybe jumped around jobs. Um, so he was apparently a whistleblower when he worked for that union. And that some of the men he worked with um, were didn't like him because of that. And he says that they went after Alyssa. And that he believes that they took revenge on him by murdering her. I mean, this just gets bigger and crazier, Mm -hmm. right? And then he says that he avenged her death by killing both of these men. Uh, Uh, They do find out both these men are dead of natural causes. He didn't kill them. But it's in the wackadoodle paperwork. Mm -hmm. Um, So then they discover lots and lots of paperwork and hundreds of hours of audio and videotape. But... They don't, of course, ever find anything from the day that she went missing. But they did find some other really creepy stuff, okay? So they find some letters that Alyssa had written where she claims that she had been molested by Michael. Mm -hmm. And they do discover that she, some of her friends and a teacher had also been told this. Why the teacher didn't report that? Man, adults have failed this kid at, Mm -hmm. at every turn in her life. Okay, can I stop you right there and just say one thing? Please. Before you say anything else, I would just like to say this. Yes. Because it's burning a hole in me. Okay. Alyssa was pregnant. Oh, okay. The, the first hit I had is that they, the fight that they had was about her telling him that she was pregnant. Uh-huh, now, okay. I, and I just want to say, I just feel like I wanted to say that right now. Carry on. But that, okay. that's the first thing that I feel like I need to spill on. Okay. Is Please. That, that was break in at any moment. Is that, that she uh, was pregnant. I also feel that he, that there was a physical struggle and that she hit her head on the corner of something, a coffee table, uh, something sharp, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't think that he meant to kill her, but I absolutely believe he did kill her. But okay. anyway, keep going. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Now, among these letters where she claims that he was molested by Michael, there are also contracts that Alyssa had signed. Think for a moment about who may have written these contracts that she had signed that said that she had never been sexually assaulted. Oh, boy. So creepy McCreeperson was making her sign things to prove that he had never molested her. Super gross, super creepy. Okay, so he ends up pleading guilty and serves 10 years in prison for the pipe bombs because, of course. Okay, sure. Super illegal explosives. Um, He was diagnosed in prison with paranoid personality disorder. What? No. (laughs) No shit, Sherlock. Holy cow. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Okay. So this is where things just kind of fall apart for a long time i have some Mm -hmm. other things to share but i wanted to give you an opportunity to give us your read on what happened to her if you have any ideas about where her body is because she has not ever been found Mm -hmm. it's interesting how when you wait seven years to determine that a child is missing it's hard to find them Mm -hmm. for sure imagine that phoenix police so more of Arizona police really botching. I know. Up, interesting you know? because they're Gilbert heavily Chandler, involved in the Ballot case. Right. Gilbert and Chandler are already on our list. So yeah. Here we go. And this is now Phoenix. So. Wow. Okay. Yeah. 
Well, so what I'm seeing is that they did go to lunch. I feel like she left school not feeling well and that he, they did go to lunch and that she did tell him that she was pregnant, that she had, had learned that she was pregnant. Um, I am unclear. I don't want to conjecture that I think this was the boyfriend's child or his. I thought it was the boyfriend's until all the molesting stuff came up. And then I went, maybe it wasn't. Maybe that's what a part of this was. And, and, and I don't like have a she super... And I'm thinking she didn't because I don't know. I'm not getting a strong hit on who, but I do believe that, but she did tell him that she was pregnant. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I feel like that there was a struggle and that she kind of, you know, pushed, was pushed, fell and mm -hmm. hit her head. And, you know, if people fall on a sharp corner and or, or are pushed hard and fall in the, you know, in the wrong way and hit their head the wrong way, that can kill you. And I feel like that's yeah, what happened. One blow. I don't feel like he intended to kill her, but I do feel like he did. And so I do feel like uh, in the time that he was, you know, supposedly running errands and not picking his other daughter up, that he was disposing of her body. I see some kind of concrete. I see some kind of, uh, let me try and get this totally straight. The words I'm hearing are batch plant, batch plant, batch plant. Okay. Batch plant. Batch plant is a place where, where you get concrete. Mm -hmm. I, so did he put her somewhere on his property and then pour concrete? This has got some weird parallels to the case we've just been on. And so I'm trying to make sure I'm not, mm -hmm. but the words I keep hearing are batch plant. Okay. But this had to do with ordering concrete from a batch plant. Or, or putting her somewhere where a batch plant was pouring concrete. Okay. But I do feel like she's in concrete. I guess okay. that's where I, I got to boil it down to. I do feel like she's in concrete, whether that's on his, it's not on his property. It's not, that just does not resonate. It's not on his property, but he did. So he wasn't all right. He cleaned up the mess. I feel like he put her somewhere. And held on to her until he could put her in concrete, which is where he did eventually dispose of her. I actually feel like she was in their garage for a short time before that happened. I Or, or in their shed or, you know, some, some part of their home mm -hmm. um, where I, I'm guessing he didn't think Sarah would find her. You know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm kind of weirded out by the whole Sarah thing, too, because she... They had a really, you know, the, the relationship there was weird. But then I think, uh, you know, I, I'm interested to see where Sarah's at now with all of this. Yeah, there's a big update there. Yeah. But I wanted to get your read on the story first. I think Sarah was just very, uh, very brainwashed, brainwashed mm -hmm. by her dad. But I feel like once he was out of the picture and she finally, you know, maybe got some therapy and got away from him that her, she finally realized, holy shit, this is really, you know, this is what happened. Yeah. Um, she didn't write that note. She didn't run away. None of those things are true, you know. But interesting that in the note that obviously he wrote, he targeted Sarah, you know, to mm -hmm. piss her off so that she'd be like, okay, well, fine then. Good riddance. And also to, you know, she stole $300 from her dad, you know, to also make her look like the villain, you know, mm -hmm. really trying hard to make her look poorly. But, um, but that is what I, I do believe that he did kill her that day. I do think it was an accident, but he did do it, you know. I do believe it was because of a fight they were having over the fact that she told him that she was pregnant. I do see him wrapping her up in some kind of 
of fabric, sheets, plastic, like layers of things. I do feel like her body actually was in their garage or or some outbuilding, some outside their house mm-hmm. for a, a couple of days until he figured out where to put her. I feel like during that time, Sarah kind of missed out on a few things that he was up to. Maybe mm-hmm. because she was at a friend's house, maybe because he, uh, you know, just worked well that way and manipulated her well. Mm-hmm. But I don't think she knows. But I also do believe that that body is somewhere in concrete right in that area. I don't think it'll ever be found. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Awesome read. I think it's exactly what um, I was hitting on as well. Um just so sad that it took so long for the police to take it seriously. And they still really didn't for very long. They really let her down. They also really let Sarah down because she was in that house with a fucking, Oh, you're not supposed to say that on YouTube, with a freaking madman. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I'll edit that out. (laughs) Um, Right. Exactly. So what happens is, you know, as Sarah gets older, she figures out, she figures her dad out and she starts to really question uh, the truth of, of this situation and realizes that she thinks that her dad murdered her sister. Mm-hmm. And so she has been on quite a crusade. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to share with you, she has five reasons why she believes that Michael killed Alyssa. Mm-hmm. She um, she went to visit him. She saw him once after after he was released from his ten year prison sentence for the pipe bombs, and had it was the first time that she had spoken to him about any of this for a long time that it wasn't like being recorded. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Um, at uh, you know at the prison, and sure. so she wanted to get his take on it. And and here here are a few things that she comes up with first. Um, there was definitely the abuse. There was definitely evidence that yeah. Alyssa was being abused for the majority of her life by him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, she says, this is just a quote from her. I think this is um, important to hear. The relationship our father had with Alyssa is commonly described by those who knew her as one closer to an abusive boyfriend rather than a fatherly figure. He was extremely possessive, often sitting in the parking lot of Alyssa's part-time job to ensure she was where she was supposed to be. He constantly warned her friends and their parents of how she was gullible and unable to take care of herself. He also required Alyssa to sign behavioral contracts that included a clause stating that he never sexually or physically abused her. Wow. One of the things that he did was he called child protection And told them that if his stepdaughter ever called and falsely accused him of sexually abusing her, um, that they had, he had all this surveillance in the house to prove that that wouldn't be the case. He also told them that she was going to call them and falsely accuse him of that. So he would buy her a car. Oh, wow. Weird stuff. I mean, I'm a social worker. I'm also an adoptive parent. I've worked in the foster system and I've worked with child protection. And I got to tell you that innocent people, they don't do stuff like this. No. No. No, but what did child protection do with that? Right. Nothing? Nothing. 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 Honestly, there really isn't anything they can do. There's no allegation. There's got to be an allegation. 
No, there wasn't. This there was, was like preemptively. A teacher had been told. Right. But that teacher, Ooh. I don't think ever reported. There's no proof that that teacher ever reported. That is so disgusting and sad because yeah. had the teacher reported and CPS said how it had these weird calls from him, maybe some connections would have been made. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. She was. This girl was let down by, well, everyone. She was. She was definitely let down. Her second reason that he is um, guilty is means and opportunity. He, We know he had motive. He also had the means and the opportunity. He took her out of school early that day and didn't tell anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the reasons that this was very strategic is because Sarah was on a field trip with her school at a water park that day. So he knew that there was no way that she could come home early from school. Mm-hmm. He also had a pretty large time span of time. He picked her up about 11 and then, mm-hmm. you know, didn't see Sarah till five or even later. She's not a hundred percent sure now of how, how late it was. Mm-hmm. Um, one witness reports our father purchasing a large amount of lie uh. around the time of Alyssa's disappearance. And he did acknowledge that he did make that purchase. Mm-hmm. Was he using lye in his bombs? I don't know how that works. I don't know. Might have been. That's a good question. But yeah, lye is something that people pour over bodies to try to break them down faster. Yes, definitely. Um, Also, then she cites the surveillance failure that the equipment, you know, supposedly failed on her last day that anyone ever saw her. And it also failed again the day that she supposedly called um, oh, the call. The call was just an arranged call. Right. The call was an arranged call. And I've read something about that, that he had been traveling to California, supposedly looking for her. Mm-hmm. And that it's believed that he paid someone to make that phone call. Yeah. That was uh, just arranged. Or to have proof of it in the, in the, in his call log, but not have a recording of it. Unlike everything else. Do we know um, why he wasn't a police officer any longer? I'm not sure. I couldn't find a lot of history on him, um, but he seems to have bounced around in jobs quite a lot. Yeah. Um, the other reason that um, you know, number f- her fourth reason is all the lies and deceit. Sure. That um, pretty much her whole life, all he ever did was lie to her. Mm-hmm. He never told anybody in the family that he had taken Alyssa out of school that day until it was later and he told a lot of different stories none of which um you know made any sense i guess he at one point he told everybody that she ran away with a biker which is 17 kid you know yeah so and one he said she never went to school that day at all Mm -hmm. uh he told some she did her friends saw her at school that day she did go to school that day yeah yeah he also refused to give his dna to the police Oh, you can just do that? Well, they didn't, at that time, they didn't have a warrant. It sounds like it was just a, um, you know, courtesy. Now, the last one, this is really important because this is when she met with him. So Sarah met with him in October of 2017 after he was released from prison. And um, this was the first time they'd spoken in 10 years that wasn't a recorded conversation. Mm-hmm. And this is what Sarah says. She says, after realizing I wasn't there to reconnect, he became angry. In addition to a slew of shocking and disgusting statements about Alyssa, he also taunted me with the closest thing to a confession we will probably ever have. 
Be at the deathbed. Be at the deathbed, Sarah, and I will give you all the honest answers you want to hear. He then agreed to tell me everything if the state agreed to give him lethal injection within 10 days of his confession. But of course, none of that is provable. Yeah. So Sarah has, she has started a podcast and she has been, she's had this huge petition and really been pressuring um, the uh, prosecutor in Phoenix to do something about this in the police department in Phoenix. Mm -hmm. She has her own podcast called Voices for Justice, where you can get more information about the attorney case. But she announced that on June 9th, 2020, that the Phoenix Police Department are submitting Alyssa's case to the prosecutor's office for charges against Michael Turney. She has finally prevailed 19 years later. Wow. But she has prevailed. So I'm very curious to see what else happens because this was just very recently. And I couldn't really find anything else about exactly what they're going to do. But she has fought really hard for her sister. And, you know, she has said that at the time that all of this happened, she was just a kid and she didn't really understand it. But now she understands the kind of craziness that they were living with and the abuse that they were living with and that no one has spoken up for Alyssa except for her. And she feels like that Alyssa would have done the same for her and that she's never going to let this go until she gets justice for Alyssa. Mm -hmm. Well, good on Sarah. Yeah, Sarah was just a kid with a crazy parent that, yeah, yeah well, they were living in a hell a crazy parent who let sarah do whatever she wanted sarah oh. was kind of spoiled got, mm-hmm. got her way in every situation mm-hmm. you know and, and Alyssa was on lockdown all the time and so it created a lot of mm-hmm. friction between the girls well he purposely so she, kept friction between the girls oh yeah it was all want them to get along yeah yeah yeah, he wanted them to not get along and he, he wanted them to not be close because then Sarah wouldn't figure out what was going on. But as mm-hmm. an adult, she's been able to really see and understand what really was going on. And she knows that if she doesn't get justice for her sister, no one will. No, no. no. So it, it's very good news that yeah. um, they have agreed to charge him and we'll see what happens. We'll keep an eye on this case and keep you updated. Mm -hmm. But I do um, find it amazing that after 19 years of going missing, they're actually looking at charging the person who killed her on the day she went missing. I mean, she's been dead this whole time. The whole time. Yeah. She never left that house after lunch, though. I do really feel like he killed her in the house, but you Mm -hmm. know, he had seven years to, Make sure there was no evidence. I mean, the police really handed him plenty of time to make sure that they could never convict him. That's the really hard part here is that the evidence is pretty shallow. You know, it is. It is. I mean, if they can really, unless his ego gets the best of him and he decides to confess, you know, if he decides that it's worth the fame or whatever, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and, and it might be that kind of personality. You don't know. Yeah. For sure. Well, also, though, I hope that they're taking a hard look at the people he was in prison with. Yes. And talking to all of them to yeah. find out what he said in there, because I do feel like he was shooting off his mouth in prison. Mm-hmm. I do wonder if there's some kind of a, you know, at least a partial confession there, something that they can use, mm-hmm. you know, to take a harder look at him. But yeah. so, so proud of Sarah for mm-hmm. being tough, you know, and standing up and fighting for her sister because, wow. He had an air of, you owe it to me. 
with Alyssa. Mm -hmm. Um, He kind of saw her as her replacement for her mother. And yeah, it was very sick and unhealthy. Yeah. And I also think that the reason he and Alyssa had the friction they did is because she saw through his bullshit, you know, and wasn't willing to, you know, buy into it. Sarah was just younger, you know, Mm -hmm. and he just had a different relationship and different energy with her than he did with Alyssa as well. But yeah. Wow. Yeah. Very sad. But I'm glad that at least even just him being charged, I think is, is something, you know, like Mm -hmm. somebody's taking notice of this situation, even if he doesn't get convicted, which I truly hope that he does, but at least being charged is, is something. Somebody, Something. Cares, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, I think they finally figured out that Sarah's not going to shut up. Yeah, you know? she's clearly not going away, and she's made that very clear. Mm-hmm. She's not going away until they make this happen. Yep. Well, she's using the internet and social media to her benefit. To she really is. She's all over here. Facebook and TikTok, mm-hmm. and she's doing a great job. It's the it's it's um a great example of what a family member should do mm-hmm. if something like this happens in your family. Well, but I also feel like she's becoming an ambassador for other families of missing persons that she's been able to serve as, you know, support and also as, you know, an advice person and using her platform, obviously, to get attention on other cases, too, that need this attention. And so and so it's just it's also powerful what she's doing. So, yeah, it is. It's great work. All of our support. Yeah, she does. We certainly want to honor that. And. You know, just support this process. Be aware of it. You know, the more people paying attention, the more it seems that action happens. We've seen that with the Ballot Daybell case. We're seeing that here with Alyssa Attorney. Mm-hmm. Um, the more people paying attention and speaking up and noticing, the more pressure there is for law enforcement to do something. I think that's a really important part of true crime podcasting Yeah, is, is continuing because lots of people have talked about Alyssa Turney. This story has been told over and over again, yeah. but I think we have to keep telling it until there is a resolution, just like lots of other cases. We have to keep talking about them so that they don't just disappear. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because Alyssa deserves justice. Sarah deserves justice. She does. She absolutely does. Yeah. And, you know, all the other families of people who've gone missing like this and whose situation has been ignored. I mean, it's a a horrifying thing to think that a child could go missing like that and the situation be ignored for so long. Mm -hmm. It's unreal. That the the, the stepdad could just get to say, yeah, well, she was a runaway. So that that we would just take that at face value and just let it go. I mean, all they had to do was call that aunt in California to determine that that kid was not with her. And they, you know, could have actually been working a case that wasn't cold. Right, right. <laughs> Super cold now, but. Yeah. Well, anyway. well, we'll just keep holding space that uh, Alyssa gets her justice and that Sarah does too. Yes, most definitely. Most definitely. Well, that's what we have for you today here at True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. Don't forget to check us out over on Patreon. If you like what we're doing and would like some extra content and want to support our work, you can do that over there and once you become a patron you get some extra episodes that no one else gets which is pretty cool Mm 
We also have our Facebook page and Facebook group, True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters on Facebook. You may be listening to this on a podcast. And if you are, you can find us on YouTube. We do video our podcasts and it's a lot of fun to have a chance to interact with you there. You know, pod, I love podcasting, but you don't get comments, you know, and it's know. great yeah. to get um, comments and interaction. And so if you want to come, mean, find usually. yeah, usually, <laughs> you know, occasionally there's some trolls out there, but I don't care. <laughs> but, okay. um, but, you know, so we recently called us chat and we were like, duh. And Not the best you've got. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, but I graduated the sixth grade. Thank you very much. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So who cares? But anyway, if you are listening to us on a podcast and you'd like to see us, uh, you can come find us over on YouTube and we will be back with lots more fun stuff. We will likely be back with an update on the Daybell Vallow case. Soon. Yep. Probably many more updates there. And, you know, as always, we love case recommendations. So if you have a case you'd like us to look at, come comment in YouTube and tell us one thing to keep in mind we like cold cases because we want to read the case. We don't like solved cases because they're solved. Bring us cases that are unsolved. That's what we're looking for. So yeah. um, I, I love, you know, the solved ones are fun to learn about, but Hey, they're solved. Let's put the attention on the ones that aren't. Yeah. Let's, let's put our two cents out there into the world along with everybody else's on cases like Alyssa's that aren't solved. And hopefully that helps to bring resolution. For sure. Yeah. Well, This has been True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, guys. Take care. Bye. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can always like and subscribe there as well. We also love comments and reviews. True Crime Paranormal is hosted by Katie Weaver and Christy Brower and produced by Christy Brower. True Crime Paranormal is a short girl productions podcast.